funny story. And said funny story will be elaborated on in the first two to three minutes of this episode. Uh, It's 2013, I think it was. I forget how it landed on my lap, but I got an offer to put my first feature film, The Station, on a up-and-coming streaming platform. I'm not going to say the name. doesn't matter. It went out of business anyway. And, uh, of course, I jumped at it. I mean, it wasn't really a scam, (laughs) to be honest. It also wasn't Netflix, but I had to pay an upfront fee, which filmmakers you should never do when you're getting a distribution offer. Anyway, so I sign up, get my film on this streaming service. I mean, honestly, it was more of kind of a website, but I guess you could stream movies on this website or something. A few months later, I find out the thing disappears. The website's down, everything, nothing. But I also linked up with a filmmaker who had his film on said streaming service. And since then, him and I swapped some stories here and there. And he's a very talented filmmaker. And he also became a self-published author back in 2015. I got his book, The Filmmaker's Journey. Uh, Link to buy it is in the show notes. And he's had quite a journey. And he wanted to talk about it in the book and I think he's actually working on some other things to kind of branch off of that. It's pretty cool. And uh, he talks about his journey on today's show as well with uh, a few other formulaic things that go along with said podcast. Anyway, welcome to the basement. Enjoy this one. Chris Esper, welcome to the basement. Thanks for having me in the basement. <laughs> I can't even tell where you are. It's kind of blurry in there, but um, yeah, no, I blurred, I blurred my Zoom background, but uh, yeah, I'm in my apartment. What are you, what are you hiding, bro? Um, <laughs> no, so it's just kind of a mess back there. <laughs> so me and Chris have known each other for a little while, but we haven't really touched base in a few years and i mean probably because you've been really really busy it seems uh i've been keeping tabs on you and i know you've been keeping tabs on the show here uh that's why it's so cool to have you wanted to have you on for a while i feel like i say that to every guest even like the very first guest i had on the show i gotta stop doing that but i did want to have you on for a while yeah um but uh, I don't know if you remember the some sort of kinship that made you and me meet. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Uh, I, I vaguely remember. I just remember us and uh, a friend of yours meeting somewhere a long time ago. We like, we like grabbed a bite to eat and a couple of beers and we were just talking film and we were like just like shooting shit about like the stuff that we want to do. This was like so long ago. I want to say it may have been like in 2014 or 2015, I want to say. Probably around the time I was either get either going to LA or coming back from LA. I don't I don't remember, but I I do sort of remember well, and plus we also worked with some of the same actors as well by that point. Uh uh so I think uh, we just sort of got to know each other mutually through through that venue, I, I would imagine. Okay, that is very true, but there was something before that. Mm-hmm. And 
All right. Correct me if I'm wrong. And I feel like it's in your book too. And I okay. might, we'll touch on your book a little later. Chris wrote a book, by the way, first author on the basement, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> <laughs> um, first published author. I don't know if, I don't know if you can even call me an author. I just, I self-published. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? That That's still a first for the show. So like, all right, fine. I'll take um, it. But uh, no. So I, I want to go back a little further. I want to say like it's 2012. Okay. I, I did a feature film that yeah. I talk about from time to time on the show. And I think you did like a short and it got picked up by some like low brow oh, streaming. Yes. Pl- I won't say the name. I don't even know if I remember the name, but I, I do. But I won't say it either. <laughs> okay. I don't even, it's not in business anymore. Cause that's where I'm going. No, with- well, well, and that, that was the big contention about it was that we both had our films on there and you know, us being young filmmakers, I'm sure you were the same way where you're like, Oh, sweet. I got distribution, (laughs) but we came to find out that it wasn't actually distribution. So there was like some like weird business practices going on. And ultimately the, uh, the company shut down and, uh, which was unfortunate because none of us were told about it. No, I I remember asking one of the other filmmakers and being like, is the website for this thing down? And they were like, Oh, I don't know. They look it up. Surely enough, they couldn't get to it either. So it was gone. Uh, and there was nothing that we could do about it. It wasn't like we were making a ton of, ton of money off of it. Uh, hold, anything, up, hold up. I got a check for $4, I think, uh, right before okay, it shut fine. down. Okay, fine. I got a check for $5. Oh, but, fuck. <laughs> but, I, but I put more money into actually getting distributed than I made from it. And what I didn't know then was how wrong that was. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and, and it's really too bad, but. You know, you, you live and learn. That's the whole field of filmmaking. Yeah, I, I don't even remember how in the blue hell I linked up with that. So honestly, if you look back, okay, again, I know we're beating around the bush. I'm not saying names, anything away, but like right. all the streaming platforms that like those small things that are just like popping up now all over the internet, all over your Roku, your Amazon Fire Stick yep. now, whatever you guys got mm-hmm. um, that are just throwing just crap up there. And I don't want to call it crap because like it's a lot of like, you know, indie filmmakers, like super, super indie. I shouldn't call it crap. I'm sorry. But like, they're just throwing stuff up there. And like this, this platform was like maybe 10 years too early. Like it probably could have thrived a little bit in the 2020s. Maybe I I will say that it was, it was quite a bit ahead of its time because back then there, there really wasn't, you know, and this is so weird to say, because this is like 10 years ago or something. Right. And you know and the idea of having apps on your television to stream was still relatively new. I mean, and it's weird to say that because even then we were ahead in technology in the movie business than we were, say, 10 years before then. Yeah. So it's kind of weird to say that that in the 10 years that we've been doing this, that there's been a dramatic shift in the way movies are distributed. Uh, that, But yeah, it was sort of ahead of its time in a weird way. But yeah, like you said, there's... There are all these distribution platforms, and oddly enough, they all operate the same way, where they ask for money up front to be distributed. I remember this one festival that's out in California. They said, okay, we've accepted your movie, but we also want to offer you distribution, but you got to pay $500 to, to be distributed. And I go, excuse me? What? Yeah. Because that, that, that doesn't make sense. So I, I, so I said no, uh, you know, after learning that lesson 10 years ago. But yeah. That's uh that's called a pyramid scheme, pal. But uh mm-hmm. anyways, that's show business still kind of in a weird way. But yeah, um no, that that's cool. Like we both I remember because I think you posted about it 
and you're like, Hey, I'm on this platform. And I was like, Hey, yeah. me too. And then like three <laughs> months later, it went out of business. I'm like, Hey, is that thing still up? And you're like, right, oh, right. like it went bankrupt. And I was like, God yeah. damn it, man. I thought yeah. I, I, thought I, I made it. <laughs> no, I did too. And like, you know, I'm making a big deal about it, you know? Yeah. And like, you know, I, I went to the in-person party like celebrating its opening or whatever. There were like a bunch of familiar faces that were there and it was very odd. Uh, now that I think back on it, I was like, wow, how, how, how in the hell did, did not just myself, but anybody like fall for this and like think, Oh, okay. Yeah. This could be a viable uh, thing. But I mean, I guess when you're 20, 21 years old or whatever, you know, the world seems like it's yours. And then when you, yeah. when you get that, you're just like, Oh, okay, cool. I'll take it. Yeah, no, like for a few years after it, I was just like, I did get a film distributed and like people would be like, oh, where can I, where can I find it? And I'm like, you can't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, that that's, that's cool. That's a fun, I was thinking about that. Like, oh, I was prepping things to talk I about. I totally forgot. I totally forgot about that. So you mentioned that. I thought somehow, <laughs> somehow I thought we might later after that, but no, that, that that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was really how me and Chris kind of linked up and um but I kind of want to, I don't know. I've always noticed you, you, you do so much behind the scenes. I, I mean, I was going through your IMDB list literally a few minutes before you hopped on here and it, you, ton of short film work as a producer, cinematographer, director, uh, editor too, as well. Don't, tr I, don't, tr don't trust, don't trust IMDB though. So oh no, I, I was getting to that point. I was just like, you never know what's in the clutter of IMDB. <laughs> Well, that and also also some of the, some of my directorial credits on IMDb was stuff when I was like overzealous and I was like, oh, I'm going to submit this to IMDb and now I can't take it down. <laughs> yeah, like there's a ton of um, I think I'm credited a bunch of stuff that's sitting on somebody's laptop unedited in a right, Connecticut right. somewhere. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> like that's that's just what it was like trying to make mm -hmm. films in the Northeast, I guess. But um mm -hmm. But before all that, before you kind of, you know, before you started just cranking out short films and whatnot and whatever aspect you were on, like, it's a big thing on this show, obviously. I got to stop introducing it this way. But, like, let's go back to the origin story of Chris Esper. Let's, let's go back okay. to, like, what got you into filmmaking? What made you say, I want to do that? Like, what was a real big scenario for you? Okay, so... I mean, as far back as I can remember, I, I've always loved movies. I, you know, I, I grew up in an age where you had to go to the video store to Here see we go movies. again. And <laughs> I, you know, I have such a nostalgia for it uh, and I miss it. Actually, uh, there was some kind of like communal aspect to that that is kind of lost today. Uh, not only that, but like I'd say I'd say even the first crush I ever had was the clerk at the video store. She was behind the counter I'm 12 years old and I'm talking to this girl who's probably like 18 or whatever. And I'm like, and I'm like acting all cool thinking like, I'm like, uh, you know, I'm like talking movies with her. Like I'm like cool and whatever. And I'm like, it, and it, it wasn't working, <laughs> but in any case, uh, so, I mean, no, so video stores have a lot of hold, a lot of valuable memories for me, but not only that, but I discovered a lot that I loved. I mean, I mean, and like some of it was a lot of repeat viewings where I would like rent the same movie over and over again because every kid did that. Uh, and um, so, I mean, that was part of it. But really, I wanted to be an actor at one time. You know, I uh, I remember at 10 years old, I wrote a script for myself to 
sort of acted, but the bigger inspiration there was that I actually submitted the script to some studio. I think it was Columbia Pictures because I had seen I had seen Ghostbusters and that was like my favorite movie as a kid. It's one of my favorite movies even now, but I just read some producer's name off the credits of that movie and I was like, oh, submitted to that guy <laughs> and and i had imd and like imdb was 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 just becoming a thing on home computers i mean this is when internet was dial up and you know you couldn't be on the phone at the same time as someone's getting on the internet i feel like i'm i feel old even just saying all this but anyway so i um so i'm on imdb i'm just looking up someone's name and something struck me about that was that i noticed that Two of the actors that were in Ghostbusters also wrote it. You know, Dan Aykroyd, Howard Ramis, the late great Howard Ramis. But anyway, um, I was like, oh, they wrote the movie. They also starred in it. Oh, that's cool. And like, I thought, oh, I thought, oh, I could do that. <laughs> so wrote, the, wrote this like script, uh, like 30 pages, which is does not even constitute as a feature film by any stretch. But and of course, I didn't know the idea about agents and about, uh, you know, unsolicited material, how that aspect works. I was 10 years old, but I didn't give a shit. I just like, I just sent it in this like envelope and just like submitted to the producer. Six months later, it got back to me with return to sender stamped on it. But somehow that didn't deter me. You know, I, I, if anything, it made me want to keep going. But like. It was a combination of that. I used to write letters to actors I really liked and, you know, would uh, ask for autographs. Um, I can remember writing to Rob Williams and I got his autograph back, uh, which I still have. He was I heard he was good about that. Like, yeah, I've heard that, too. I mean, it wasn't like a personalized letter I got, but it was still something I like I treasured, you know, greatly. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, but yeah, I sort of wanted to go into that route where I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do acting and maybe do stand-up comedy that was another thing i really enjoyed so for a good majority of my teen years i did a lot of theater in school and like high school i did the drama club and did that sort of thing did not even think about becoming a director that wasn't like even in the forefront of my mind even at all uh how that came about was weird i had i just like you know all the while i was like i was always a movie buff but I think it was actually upon discovering or seeing um, uh, Raging Bull and then listening to the commentary of that movie and watching all the behind the scenes stuff and like listening to Martin Scorsese talk about his craftsmanship and how he makes movies and inspirations. Oh my God, it was so contagious. Mm-hmm. I, I, I couldn't take my eyes off of it just listening to him speak. Uh, and those that know him well know how contagious he is and how passionate he is about it. That was like, wow, there's like some kind of like, I'm like, wow, this is an art form. Interesting. So then I got my first camera when I was like, I don't know, 17 or whatever. It was just like a mini, not even mini DV. It was mini DVD. So it was like these like little DVDs you put into the camera. Yeah, I had one. Yeah. Yeah, it recorded on DVDs. It was very strange, but I mean, that's what I use. And I just made these like little YouTube movies, most of which were garbage. But uh, uh, it taught me a lot about, uh, I guess, craft, I, I, I guess. I mean, you know, like I, I, I would make movies just by myself, just like put the camera on a tripod, hit record, go in front of the camera, do the action, stop it, go back, do the same thing, get the close up, do all that. You, you know, editing a Windows Movie Maker. It was so primitive. But, you know, friends and family would watch this stuff and they would be like, oh, wow, like, you know, you kind of have some talent here. <laughs> uh, and uh, 
So then acting kind of went out the window and I was like, yeah, you know, I think this is what I want to do because it sort of combines everything I love about the arts and about the medium, you know, it combines the art of photography, it combines the art of acting, it combines the art of, you know, music and just all these like crafts that like go into it that uh, it felt right to do that because even if I'm not doing the acting, even if I'm not doing the photography, uh, I'm, you know, as a director, you sort of orchestrate all that. So it's, uh, it was kind of nice to find a medium that sort of combines all that. And then that's how I sort of got into the road of, of, uh, becoming a filmmaker. I went to school, uh, studied film, got my bachelor's degree. Uh, so, and you know, here I am. All right. Thank you very much. That's all I needed from you. Have a good night. Uh... <laughs> No, uh, that, that, no, that's awesome. Um, but you mentioned bonus features on DVDs and like watching Scorsese yeah. talk. I feel like you and I are of that generation of, you know, I mean, yeah, you, you went to film school. I, I went to film school. I'd like to say I, I went to film school and then went to go work on films and then other things happen. But yeah. um, I feel like that was like the first early film school for like, you know, oh, us, sure. like the DVD culture, like you, like, you yeah. can listen, you can watch an hour and a half documentary on the making of, you know, whatever raging bull or whatever. Uh-huh. One of my fondest memories is, and honestly, like just to go off of like Scorsese, cause I know you're a Scorsese guy and so am I. Um, mm-hmm. My dad was obsessed with taxi driver. I don't know what that mm-hmm. says about my dad, but like, <laughs> but I mean, I, it's a piece of, you know, great American cinema. Yeah. Um, but like, he'd show it to me when I was younger. And I remember thinking like taxi driver was like, supposed to be like a comedy or something and it's right. definitely far from a comedy uh, and he, he probably showed it to me too young i didn't get it and every time i watch taxi driver to this day like i pull something more from it but i remember watching the bonus features and hearing scorsese and like paul schrader also yeah. like learning that like paul schrader who wrote the film i guess like right. he'd gone like three weeks without talking to anyone like he had just gotten kicked out of his apartment and broken up with his girlfriend. And like, he used like hearing that he used the taxi is like a metaphor for loneliness and Mm -hmm. just like finding all these cool things out of bonus features that taught you so much about film. I mean, I, I think film school is a perfectly fine thing, but I also think it's, it was a great tool to learn how to study. I don't know what other bonus features stick out. I mean, no, I mean that that one certainly sticks out for me too because I also love Taxi Driver. Um, uh, just sort of a side note: if that movie was made today, it would just be called Uber Driver. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be the same; it would be the same movie. Yeah. I mean, it's, that movie is still relevant today, not just because of the whole Uber aspect, but just like in general. I think we could all identify with that sort of a sort of lonely man vigilante aspect. I mean. You know, I, I feel like every decade we've had a movie like that. I mean, that was like sort of the 70s vigilante movie. You know, by the time we got to the 90s, Falling Down was sort of that sort of taxi oh, driver yeah. kind of movie, which is another one I, I like. I like listening to the making of. But uh, I'm looking at my at my DVD shelf, just like looking at movies that, you know, from, from there, from from the filmography, like how they made it that, that inspired me. I guess, uh, well, I guess from, from a standpoint of like... Uh, I guess from a standpoint of like how it got made, like the determination of getting it made was um, uh, the first Rocky movie. The fact that Stallone mm-hmm. had no money to his name, was probably 30 years old, you know, had to sell his dog. Yeah. And, uh, 
you know, it was just at such a low point uh, in his career and, and well, black thereof career and also in life that this was like the million to one shot. And then, you know, Rocky went on to become best picture of the year, mm-hmm. beating out Taxi Driver, actually. <laughs> but uh, yeah. which is a debate for many, but that's, you know. I think it deserved it. I mean, nothing against Taxi Driver, but yeah. I don't know. Rocky to me is just like a perfect best pick. Like, I see why something like that one's best picture. It's so. Yeah. It's not, I don't want to say it's like feel good, but it's, I just, I don't know. Like that, just the fact, I, I remember when I was watching, um, I said this on the show before, I think, but when I was watching the Creed, the movie, the first one that came out mm-hmm. and um, I thought it was so cool that they tie it in where now Stallone is, ba- Rocky's basically a Mickey character almost now. Right. And right. like, I'm watching the movie and my, my, I don't think, I think my wife had never seen the first Rocky, you know? you know they're movies for guys i mean like the ladies can enjoy them like that's a that is such a man movie it is it is but like i'm sitting there watching like it's the final fight and spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen the first rocky or the or the first creed but i was just like he's gonna lose he has to lose like that's the point like he he, it's not about winning the championship it's about enduring but that's what rocky is entirely about it's about enduring life not winning a title belt um right. okay anyway let me move on off that um what just out of the blue just out of curiosity we're naming off titles and obviously we've touched on scorsese but like what other early inspiration what were other filmmakers you've kind of studied over the years uh, sure so i mean aside from the obvious ones like i've always been a big hitchcock fan i've always studied a lot of hitchcock uh kubrick obviously was another big one um I even liked, uh, you know, Darren Aronofsky. I thought I've always thought was amazing. I still do. Uh, Spike Jones, um, um, and um, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Michelle Gondry, you know, who of course did, you know, Eternal Sunshine, and you know, yeah. he does like he does very surreal kind of movies, which I sort of think is kind of my style. Is I sort of like odd surreal, you know, quality to my work. Um, uh, also, well, in terms of like foreign filmmakers, even like I love Francois Truffaut. I always thought Francois Truffaut was incredible. Um, uh, um, uh, Andre Trzovsky, uh, I always, I also think is amazing. So, I tend to gravitate towards um, filmmakers of yesteryear, but I also do like filmmakers of today. Uh, you know that are working. Like I love Sofia Coppola. I think she's great. Um, you know, so like. Uh, so I, I'd say like a lot of like the personal filmmakers, like those that like have like, like they make a movie because, um, you know, something within them says that they have to do it. And it's not because like, oh, I, you know, I want to do something cool. It's like, no, it's like they have something deeply personal within them that they have to sort of let out through their art. And I guess those are the filmmakers I tend to gravitate towards. Sophia Coppola. Yeah, she's uh, I go back. One of her more underrated one was. um What's the one with uh, Stephen Dorff? Somewhere? Is that what it's called? Do you even know what I'm talking about? I don't think so. Damn it. <laughs> He's like a struggling actor. And I think uh, his daughter is like the young, one of the fanning sisters there and like just comes and visits. I don't know. I just gravitate more uh, towards it. That, sound, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like, a, it, I don't know. It was a weird casting because I know like Stephen Dorff people are if Jan, I like Steven Dorf, but, um, yeah. but I, I don't know. But um, so moving on, um, you 
seem to you've worked on a lot of uh films especially where you and me are from up in the northeast you seem like a hell mm-hmm. of a collaborator uh yeah. just kind of talk about how it all began with you just like jumping on sets and whatnot like i mean i know you've made some stuff on your own but like working yeah. with other people mm-hmm. um so while i was in school i i took every opportunity i could to just like look for any internships or you know whatever opportunities I could get. And, um, at the time, this is in 2010, uh, I saw a bulletin um, at my school on the bulletin board. It was like a job listing and it listed looking for intern for a, uh, for a, um, a, a feature film being shot locally. And I'm like, Oh, cool. So I applied, uh, uh and then, uh, met with the director and, um, I did, I did, uh, I think, I think the shooting was about maybe a month, maybe two months or something like that. And it was, and it was like super independent, super independent movie. It was his like second feature film at the time. And uh, so, and I mean, I learned a lot on that. And um, I, as much as I condone going to, going to school and, you know, getting an education, I think when you're doing film, the real education comes from working on site on a film set. Because uh, you're not going to get a better education than that. I love my school. Don't get me wrong. The problem with school, though, at least where I went to school, was it covered. It wasn't so much a film school by definition. Like we didn't like st- like I had one class where we like studied movies and like you know we you know we learned about cinema verite. But I mean we didn't like but like we didn't like sort of go into like the you know, tour theory or anything like that. Like it wasn't like that kind of film school uh so it was mostly just like very technical it was a technical college so i learned about the basics of lighting the basics of editing and camera composition and that sort of thing but i didn't learn about craft by by go by going to school i learned about craft on set I, that's the big difference technical stuff i also learned on set but like more advanced technical stuff but craft came from actually being on set and uh working on this on this uh on this feature film. And now the director and I were like best friends. He's been my best friend now for like, I don't know, going on 10 years now. And, you know, he's taught me a lot. Um, I interned at Hasbro toys. Uh, they have a, they have a local production house here in Rhode Island. And uh, so I interned there for a short period, working on some of their commercials as a production assistant. Um, and then just hopping on different, then I sort of got into the local film scene where I met a bunch of, people, some of whom we're friends with and have become friendly with over the years. Uh, and I just sort of worked my way up and getting to know people, uh, you know, starting at the bottom as a production assistant and then eventually working my way up, my way up to being a camera assistant or, uh, you know, doing little odd jobs to where suddenly I found myself being a cinematographer. I found myself being an editor. I, you know, doing all these like higher, higher end jobs where now, I'm in a position where I could actually charge people for my services, which I mean, years ago, I couldn't do that. So, I mean, it took a while to get there, but I mean, uh, it's become a thing now where now it's part of my business where I can now, I can now you, I can now utilize my skill and also make money doing it, which I mean, to do to, to the thought of doing that 10 years ago was like a crazy thing. Like I didn't, I didn't think I could do it then. Certainly, certainly my family didn't think it could be done. They were like, Oh, you're like, Oh, you're just going to live on working for free on these, uh, on these uh, indie films. I'm like, no, I mean, that's the, the, that's not the hope, but I mean, yeah. So that's sort of how I got, got into uh, working on film sets was 
just by putting myself out there. Yeah, no, that that's, that's cool. I feel like, cause I went to a technical community college film school yeah. and, but I feel like the focus was like TV production. Like mm-hmm. most people left my program and try to get a job in news, which eventually happened to me for a while. Um, yeah. But like, again like yeah you don't learn anything about like how to run a set how to work and i don't want to knock film school i feel like that's a theme on this show like film school or no film school yeah and like i don't want to knock tv either because certainly tv has its benefits and i mean we're in an age i mean and plus we're in a weird age now where tv and film are so blended together now that like when you watch a television show that look like movies or you know yeah you watch a streaming series on on uh, netflix hulu whatever they don't look like tv shows that we remember from our generation prior like they look like movies they're shot like movies they feel like movies in some ways even more cinematic than movies themselves which is a weird thing to say i'll give i'll, I'll say this about film school and like where i went and i i give props to springfield technical community college in springfield massachusetts i i wish it was a four-year school i didn't really learn craft there craft just kind of came with me toying around and yeah try it but one thing i did learn i feel like it's i did kind of learn and i haven't i've put it into play lately it's yet to have these things released but i've been producing some stuff and i had a teacher there that was uh she knows who she is she probably listens um she was a like an award-winning producer and Mm -hmm. she just I know producers, you know, some are more creative, some are more business savvy. She was a little bit of both, but it was all about being able to deliver a project that was quality with her. And I feel like I got a little bit out of that at a film school and like, I just kind of studying how she was. And she was a bit of a hard ass every now and then. Sometimes I butted heads with her, no lie. But um, she, I feel like I walked away with that producer mentality a little bit more from that school. So I think you can pull stuff from film school. But yeah, craft just comes with working on it nonstop. Yeah. And, you know, even if it's just you picking up your iPhone for to make some little five minute thing for TikTok now. And like, I, I, I look, I was one of those TikTok, like, what the fuck is this thing? But now I'm just like, wait a minute, I think I got an idea and I'm just going to throw it up on TikTok. I've yet yeah. to do it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, no, that's, no, that's, that's cool. You just kind of got to just hop on and, and do it. And, you know, you just, right. Yeah, man. Um, so about, uh, what was it like? It's like five, six years ago now. Um, no, not even like eight. I'm way off. Yeah. You went out to Los Angeles for like yes. a little bit. Like, and I, yes. I was like, I was in a phase where I was so, I was just like, he's like, this fucker's going to LA. And I was like, this dude's, I was so envious of like, and I think you sent me a link. He's like, here, you should apply for the internship too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I was like, I, I don't know, man. Like I got to have a job right now. <laughs> like I'm working in TV. Yeah. 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 Talk to me as much as you can about that that experience. I even kind of forget what it exactly was, but oh yeah, sure. So, um, so, uh, so a few things sort of led up to that. So, for one, I was working with this friend whose second feature film I I had done. Um, by that point, we've been working together for like I don't know uh, three years, I think. By that point, and. We ended up doing 
several different things, comedy skits, things like that. He had a lot of, he, his focus was comedy primarily, but he, um, he and I made a web series. We made this web series uh, where he asked me to direct it, which was like huge for me because, you know, I went from being an intern to suddenly I'm directing one of the things that he's writing. And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> it's like, this is great. But anyway, the point I'm trying to get at is the, that series was, we had some, uh, so the series came about because um, he had done an internship with the Moving Picture Institute, MPI. It was, yeah. And MPI had something to do with the series. Like they gave us a little bit of money to make the thing because he had, he had applied for like a little bit of a grant. He got the money. We made the show. I mean, we also did a Kickstarter as well or Indiegogo, whatever. Uh, so we made the show. And then after a while, he sort of convinced me and said, you know, you should apply for, you know, this uh, th this seminar that they're doing. So I went, I applied for the seminar. I went twice to LA uh, in April 2014, actually. So, yeah, roughly eight years ago now, uh, like around this time, I was in LA uh, doing like some like doing this like week long seminar, meeting all these kids that just wanted to make movies. Uh, and it had sort of a view about uh, having a having a free world view. It was like sort of like driven by that concept. And so I uh, took the seminar, did really well with it, um, and then decided to apply for their internship, got the internship. And essentially, they would pay me to work for a company of my choice that was on their list. And one of the companies was uh, at the time it was called Allah Entertainment, which uh, they're not called that right now. They, uh, they, they, they moved out of office. They're called something else now. I don't remember. But at the time, they were known for doing the movies uh, Drive, Way, Way Back, uh, Mordecai, a um, bunch of like sort of like mid-level indie movies, uh, if that's what you could call them. Uh, but they weren't quite they weren't quite like big budget movies and they weren't they weren't like your low budget. They were like somewhere in the middle. But anyway, so I interned there for three months. I was a script reader. So like I read scripts literally every day for three months and most of the scripts were awful. <laughs> but my job was to uh, was to write script coverage. And for, I guess for anyone who doesn't know what that is, script coverage is essentially you write a synopsis, beginning, middle and end of the whole entire thing, describing what the story is. Then at the end, you sort of give a you, you sort of give your comments of what you liked, what you didn't like. Uh, then you would write if you recommend, consider, or pass on both the script and the writer. And there were times where I liked the writing, but I didn't like the script. So I would say consider the writer, pass on the script, or you know something like that. Interesting. I didn't so, know that was like a. I mean, I could see that, that that's like a routine. Like yeah, well, he's a good writer, but the script is trash. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> so, because I mean, because the fact of the matter is that the fact of the matter is that. A lot of the higher ups, the executives, they don't have time to read scripts yeah. a lot of the time. So that's why they have readers. So we would, so us interns, we would read the scripts, submit it to the story editor. Story editor would make their decision as to, you know, I'm sure they would read the script too and, and say yay or nay or whatever, and then would probably pitch it from there. But it was weird. When I first did it, I was holding back uh on my comments uh thinking that the writer is going to read this stuff <laughs> and uh my, my my uh the story editor comes up to me and and all of us really it just says you know yeah it, it, she's like you know she goes you know you don't have to be polite <laughs> the writer the writer's never going to read this i'm like oh okay <laughs> so then i started going to town but 
you know, we discover, and like, that's when I sort of learned that whole process of how scripts are submitted, where you have a, an agent, manager, whatever, representing the writer, they would submit the scripts for the screenwriter. It was never the screenwriter submitting it. You know, it's a big misconception about mm-hmm. the business is that any writer can just submit to a studio and they'll be considered, but yeah. that's not the reality. I remember one day we were working I answer the phone. I'm like, uh, well, actually, no, not me. Someone else answers the phone and they go, Ally Entertainment. And this writer is on the other end of the line, starts pitching his script, <laughs> just going. Go, and, and, and this intern, he just hung up on the guy. He's like, what are you going to do? <laughs> oh my God. That's, that's, that is showbiz for you. Like, it was, it was great. It was it's like, it was, you know how many, like, honestly, anybody with an IMDb bro, pro account can find companies and find their numbers. Right. And like any idiot can just be like, there it is. There's my in. Right, 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 <laughs> right, 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 right. So, I mean, it was a great, it was a gr- it was an amazing time though. I mean, outside of doing the internship, I took advantage of my time there. Like I, I wrote, I actually I ended up writing, to directors and writers whom I've admired and was like, hey, I'm in the area. Would it be okay if I met you? Can I pick your brain a little bit? Some of them actually said yes. It was really wow. kind of cool. Yeah. So uh, that was kind of, kind of incredible. Uh, you know, I went, to, I went, one of them had like a directing class. I attended his directing class as like his guest because I like, I asked, uh, and I wasn't a student at the school. He was teaching this thing up, but he's like, he's like, yeah, you know what? Come on by. I, you know, like, 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 he goes, he goes, yeah, come on by. You could be my guest. I'm like, cool. Awesome. So, you know, and it was fun. I learned a lot. And then, you know, I took a screenwriting course. One of my friends was working at, one of my friends was doing assistant editing on some independent movie being finished at Universal Studios. He had never used Final Cut. Mm, <laughs> and he calls yeah. me one, he calls me one day and he goes, hey, uh, you know Final Cut, right? And I go, yeah. And he goes, can you show me how to work it? Because I don't know how to work this thing. And, and I find myself at the, Universal's, at the Universal lot showing him how to use Final Cut Pro. It was hilarious. So when I was, uh, you were, well, you were out in Los Angeles. I was out there for like a week. I, I mean, I've been out to the West. I've been out West a few times since then, but I haven't been out to LA since then. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I remember hitting you up. And that's right. And I was just like, I think I was like, like, my wife, who was just my girlfriend at the time, like she was visiting a friend or something. And I had like the day to myself, just like cruising around Los Angeles. And, um, I think I was like on Hollywood. I think I was at the Amoeba records. I don't know where the fuck I was somewhere in Hollywood. So I don't know where. And I was like, Hey man, where are you? And like LA traffic, like, I know it's bad, but like, I still couldn't really comprehend it. I could be like, yeah, man, I'll be there in five minutes. But like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I think I, re- I think I remember that now. Yeah. I think you were just like, and I was just like, you want to meet up or something? And like meeting up in LA is like a fucking chore, man. Like, oh, it is. Oh, 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 funny story about that. I, uh, uh, I, I, um, two of my friends were going to a sitcom taping of two broke girls. I had never been to a sitcom taping. I always wanted to go. And I was like, I was so excited. I was like, yes, yes. Awesome. What should have taken what should have taken me I don't know forty minutes to get there it took me two hours in LA traffic and yeah I, I missed getting in literally by one minute they would oh. not let me in I was so pissed <laughs> I was oh. like I was like come on I took me two hours they're like no sorry can't let you in I I rem- I, I want to say like yeah because you were going to a sitcom or something and you're like do you want to go to such and such on the CBS lot and I was like. Yeah, but I have no idea how to fucking get there. 
I, I was meeting up with trying to meet up with a ton of people. I had a friend who's out there who's since moved out of Los Angeles, yeah. but he was living in East LA. Yeah. And I think I was just like, I was driving around like West Hollywood and he, and he sends me his address. It was 25 minutes away. And I think this was before like GPS would update and show traffic. Right. Like uh-huh. there'd be like a red and yellow line. Uh-huh. And like, he'd keep calling me. And I'd be like, dude, I've been eight minutes away for like 45 minutes. <laughs> like, right. like you've lived here. Like I'll get there when I get there, man. Right. Right. <laughs> but no, that that's cool. That you got to do that. I was, I was super envious of you. I was, I was trying to like get some sort of, I think another thing you told me, um, uh, I, cause I'm a big fan of, and I don't know if you remember this and I, or I don't know if I'm thinking of someone else. And if I am, I'll just cut this part out. Okay. But, um, uh, I'm a big fan of that movie Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. yes. And like, I think you, I think I posted about it and you're just like, dude, they were shooting that movie or, or they shot that movie. Like, like some scene, like where your apartment was or something. I, yes. I don't. Okay. That yeah. was, okay. No, actually, I saw that in the theater when I was out in L.A. Oh, all right, I got back. And 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 there was a scene like the like two of the char- like Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, I forget the other character's name. Like the 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 guy that ends up being like his second you know shooter for the for these news stories. They're in a diner, and outside the diner, there's like a big Culver City like city sign. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm li- I live five minutes from there. <laughs> so that was that was kind of neat so they shot the movie evidently in culver city where i was staying so i mean it was great i've wanted i wanted to do an episode for this show of just like good la movies and like nightcrawler is in there like of recent memory like that's such a good la movie that's definitely a good la movie and oddly enough kind of taxi driver like i i feel like yeah it does sort of have that it's not a vigilante story, really, but th- there are shades of it. It's not nearly as dark as Taxi Driver, but it does have sort of those like elements painted throughout it. Uh, yeah, I, that's, I gotta watch that movie again. Now that you I mentioned think it. it's back on Netflix right now as we record yeah. this. Yeah. That that I I think I just got hooked on that movie because I knew Jake Gyllenhaal was in like a renaissance of like trying to do like cool roles the past sure. in that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was also working the night shift at a local uh, news station. And go. like part of that movie is like, you know, cause he's out at night. He's like working with like graveyard sure. shift people. At like sure, a, sure. And I was just like, I don't know. I just kind of gelled with it. That's uh, actually, actually the, the, the job that he portrays in the movie. It's actually a very dangerous gig. I, oh there yeah. A, there was a documentary I saw about what, uh, what they, what they call stringers. I think that's what they call them. Mm-hmm. And they're doing these stories at night and they could potentially get very hurt, injured, or, and, uh, you know, it's a very dangerous gig. I can't imagine, um, doing that. Yeah. All right, cool. I don't really know how to do a solid transition off that, but, <laughs> uh, Nightcrawler streaming on Netflix right now. Yes. Um, yes. wow. Well, we're bringing the energy in the second half of this episode, but, um, to transition off of that, uh, when you came back from the West Coast, you wrote a, you did something that nobody else was doing, and I got to commend you for it. Yeah. Um, everybody was still trying to make their little movies, and you were like, I'm going to write a book. <laughs> I'm just going to write a book about how I like to make movies and whatnot. And yeah. uh, you did, and I still got it right here. I'm showing it to the camera. I still got <laughs> it to this fun. day because I bought it. I was one of the people that bought it when it came out. Awesome. I thought it was cool. Like, Much appreciate it. Much appreciate it. I, I, I'm Talk to me about how you, uh, I don't know. Why'd you do it? Why'd you do it? Like, I mean, I think it's cool, but I want to know why, why, what made you do it? So great question. Uh, so several reasons. I mean, 
I had started out just like doing just like a regular video blog, a video, a video, yeah. a vlog, I should say, on YouTube of the same title, Filmmaker's Journey, where I was just talking to the camera, just talking about just giving very basic advice about things I learned over the years. Why I felt the need to do it, I don't know, because I'm certainly not an expert, uh, the, but I felt that even though I'm not an expert, I could certainly relate to others that are probably in the same position as myself or of my peers. So the whole concept just came from relating to the people that are just like all of us, that are like, you know, making indie movies and short films and trying to sort of make their way through the terrain, as it were, of what the hell this business is and what, how do you get your movie out there? What film festivals are all about? Uh, loca- like, should you be in LA? Should you not? Should you get a full-time job? Should you do all this stuff? But I found that in the, in the video format, I can only speak so much on the subject that, and then, uh, and then I noticed a few friends that were getting into self-publishing, you know, film friends of mine, they were actually doing self-publishing. And I was like, okay you know that's a possibility so i just started just journaling just writing stuff down of things i learned over the years and uh and i just then eventually it turned into 100 106 pages whatever it was and i'm like oh there's something here okay so and it was very informal it was very conversational it wasn't really any kind of fancy prose. I mean, it's not, not really what the intent was. It was just really to speak, really have a conversation as it were to the reader uh, and just sort of give, uh, give off not only experiences, but also, I don't know, maybe some advice. And I, you know, and uh, you know, I, and I think uh, many who, I think many who sort of questioned me on it, they were like, Oh, you're only 26 years old. Why are you, <laughs> why are you writing a book about filmmaking when you're only 26 and you're still young in your career? And I go true. Yes. And again, I'm not an expert, but the idea was not to sort of be like, this is how you do it. No, it's not a how to, it's merely just like, I, it's merely the message is merely, I get it. I'm in the same boat as you. I get it. We're, we're all in the same boat. Uh, you know, this is how I go through the terrain. Uh, maybe this is how you could do it too. Um, you know, there's no right or wrong, right or wrong way, really. So that was the ultimate message behind it for me. I'm actually doing a follow-up right now uh, where it's not about me this time, but it's about, I, I actually started reaching out and interviewing filmmakers uh just like reaching out to both indie level filmmakers such as ourselves and also bigger budget filmmakers as well. Like I talked, I spoke with, uh, I interviewed filmmakers like John Badham, who of course did Saturday Night Fever, Blue Thunder, War Games and Short Circuit, like great movies. Uh, I I interviewed uh, uh, Jeffrey Canoe who did Revenge of the Nerds and, you know, like these like great movies of the seventies and eighties. Uh, Bobcat Goldwith, uh, who I think is an incredible filmmaker himself. He's very underrated. No one ever talks he about him. He is awesome. Oh, my yeah. God. I, mean, I love I mean, his me, movies. Yeah. Dude, let me tell you, Shakes the Cloud, I think, is one of the greatest comedies I've ever seen. Yes, dude. <laughs> and, and, you know, of course, World's Greatest Dad, God Bless America. It, the guy is brilliant. Anyway. So I'll I tell you something up. about him off mics in regards to this show. Yeah, no problem. So. <laughs> So, yeah, so I started, so I'm still going through the process of interviewing local filmmakers that I know and respect and love 
as well as those I met at film festivals over the years uh, from New York and wherever LA. Uh, and then the and then the idea of even reaching bigger Hollywood filmmakers was a pipe dream. I just again we we joked about IMDb Pro. That's exactly what I did. I went on IMDb Pro, looked for their agents' names and yeah. managers, and just started writing to them. And I was surprised how many were like, "Oh, sure, they would love to talk to you." I'm like. Really? <laughs> okay. Dude, you you literally just exposed me with because like, because like I have friends who are like, how did you get uh, such and such who's got a movie on Shutter or Netflix right yeah, now? Yeah, I'm yeah. just like, I just emailed their eight like get IMDb that's, Pro like just like that, and I mean, that's exact you know and people 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 often ask like how did you do that and I said easy I just reached it. the worst the worst they could say is no that's or the, they don't respond or like, they don't <laughs> respond I mean. You know, and yes, I did try for Scorsese. I did try for a few. Of course you did. I know he's super I, I busy, get, but like. I did, I did get a response from Scorsese's manager who said, thank you so much. He's not available right now, but, but sorry about that. Jesus Christ. No, keep going. Uh, so uh, he's not available right now, but thank you nonetheless for, for reaching out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's that's cool. Yeah, no, I got usually usually they're nice. Like usually if they turn you down, they're not like screw off, kid. They're just like, you know, we reached out. I reached out to who, you know, such and such and let them know. And unfortunately, they're passing like that's it. It's all it's all short and sweet. And the best thing you can do in that situation is just like, oh, well, thank you very much for your time. You know, blah, 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 blah. Exactly. So so what I tell people all the time is to what I've told people all the time is like, you know, don't be afraid reach out oh. to those people. I mean, even, even to meet them in person, you'd be surprised. So the person I met when I was in LA was director named Kenneth Johnson, who is known for the incredible Hulk TV series. Yeah. As, the one with Lou Ferrigno, as well as uh, he did the miniseries V, which is probably his most popular thing. Yeah. Uh, so I had always admired his work and I just reached out to him and he invited me to his office. We talked for an hour he had seen my short film still life and gave me very high compliments on it. So I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so, and it wasn't, and, and like that movie wasn't even like a very polished piece of work, but I have since then sent him, sent him my subsequent films and be like, Hey, do you mind watching this? You know, maybe give me a little critique. And the, the, one of the latest movies I did imposter, he, he not only loved it, he, you know, spoke highly of it i was like oh you know that feels great you know when yeah. someone that you admire you know does that but in short yes that's why i wrote the book was to sort of reach out to that crowd that's just like you and i that's like hey we're all in the same boat you know here's what i do maybe it works for you maybe it doesn't but i want to hear your story too and that's sort of the ultimate yeah. goal of that. that's kind of what i i reached like I'm just trying to connect with you here, but like I, I reached a stride on this show. I want to say back in like September, October, where I was just mm-hmm. like, I'm having fun interviewing people that like, I know that are, you know, you know, creative and working and whatnot, but I'm just like, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to tap into something right now. And I had had IMDb pro all like for a year and a half. And then I just, I feel like this show should just be sponsored by IMDb now, or at least this episode, yeah. <laughs> we're just talking a lot about it. But like, yeah. I just like, I started seeing like movies I liked, whether they were big or just little indies popping up on streaming platforms, Netflix originals, whatever. I did have some help from some people who gave me some PR references. And, but I just started looking up INDB Pro. I'll be like, oh, I like that movie. Who's the director? Oh, they don't even have a manager. They have a direct email. Right. 
Okay. Well, shoot, even easier. Like I'll shoot my yeah. shot. Isn't that like, great? Oh my God. It's awesome when that happens. Yeah. Like, and then, you know, some, like I said, like you said, like some people say no, some people don't respond. I mean, you know, it just yeah. is what it is. It's, 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 but, it is, baby. But, you know, but you know, but you know, what's incredible in the interviews I did every single one of the filmmakers, they all had the same exact message. Bobcat go with John Badham. They all said the same thing, which is that the only way you could progress is to just keep making movies. And like, it sounds very sort of, elementary yeah. sort of advice but, but really it's true i mean they, they all said the same thing literally the only way you could progress is just by keep on doing it and just a quick story uh so when i spoke with bobcat go with he had a hilarious story that i related to so much that I, I i was laughing both because the story was funny but also because i think we could all relate to it so between making Shakes the Cloud and his next movie in 2006, because Shakes the Cloud came out in early 90s, uh, and he didn't make it, he didn't direct a movie until 2006, which was Sleeping Dogs Lie. Great movie. Yeah, great movie. And he um, he was working his day job was working for the for uh, the Jimmy Kimmel show, directing that show. So he had made Sleeping Dogs Lie, and he told me a story about how. He made this movie. He had no crew. He had no money. He got his crew from Craigslist, which I was like, I, I, I mean, my first thought was, but my first thought was, yeah, but how? Like you work yeah. in Hollywood. You like, you should, you know, know people. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, pull in a few favors, whatever. But anyway, so he gets this like 21 year old DP and they're shooting at a house in a garage. And, um, they're shooting a late night. He tells the DP, hey, listen. He goes, hey, listen, when we shoot, we have to be very quiet, okay? The DP goes, you don't, you don't have a permit, do you? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, no. <laughs> Yo, I, he is so, he's so funny on like, he's been on a lot of podcasts. Um He's on a, he was a guest like a few years ago on um, the movies that made me with um, yes Joe Dante and yep. uh, the actual host of it. <laughs> damn yeah. it. I forgot his name. Whoever it is. Yeah. The writer of uh, the history of violence. God right. damn it. I, oh my God. I hope they don't listen. But um, I would, I had to pull the car over when I was listening to his episode on that show. Cause I was uh pissing my pants he, he is so funny yeah oh my god you know, he, no he, he's a genius uh but yeah. yeah so so those kind of stories they're so relatable because they're so true that even someone of uh of, you know of his level of working in hollywood being in being in popular movies like the police academy movies even him he has struggles getting movies mm -hmm. made and it's sort of refreshing when you hear that even those that you admire uh go through the same thing and it's relatable uh so you know again ultimately again it all comes full circle with that message of the book the first one in this current iteration the idea that we're all relatable whether no matter what level you're at uh we're all in the same boat ultimately yeah and the, and the ultimate you know and the ultimate goal is to just tell a good story yeah yeah no completely agree just you just got to kind of keep going keep swinging for the fences with exactly whatever creative endeavor you're working on i mean exactly trust me i'm in that boat too man but yeah. um uh so real quick before i move on is the is we could like still buy the book right like 
Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. it's on I'll, Amazon. Yeah. 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 I'll put a link to it in the show notes. No, it's, I obviously I bought it. I didn't even buy it just to support. I mean, I did buy it to support Chris obviously, but like I bought it also dude. Cause I like, I just thought I'd share this with you right now. Like I had just moved. Like I was worried that I'm like, I was in like a creative funk and like, I was just like, huh. So I read it and it, it dude, it struck a chord with me. Like I thought it was, it's a really good read. It's, you know, it, it's, it, it's like what you said. It's not like, you know, saying like, this is what you need to do. Blah, blah, blah. It sounds yeah. like you're having a conversation with the reader. And I think that's yeah, actually exactly. a good approach to something Exa- like that. Yeah, exactly. So I don't want to make a how-to because there's so many how-tos on the internet already. Like, uh, yeah, like, yeah. So many how-tos from people that never really you know and and, and it's not a, and it's not a biography i think that was a big misconception when i first yeah. it. everybody thought it was a biography i'm like nope not a biography it's not it's not you know this is not me stroking my ego here no this is merely just saying these are the ups these are the downs these are the successes these are the failures uh and you know i mean i i tell some horror stories in there about uh some shoots i've had i mean you know it just it is what it is it happens yeah man that's a good book. It's a good read. I appreciate you doing something like that. Um, real quick, uh, during, uh, during, during, was it, I think it was COVID or when everybody was inside, you were working on something cool and I, I never really got the chance to ask you, but like, you were like taking home videos and whatnot and like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, what, what, like I just, it occurred to me when I was like making notes for the show and I was like, yeah. what was that? So like elaborate on that real quick. I know we're a little sure. yeah, low, yeah. low on time, but. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. Uh, so, so it's so weird how that came about. So, by that point, I had made my last film. At that point, was Imposter. You know, it ran its course in the festivals. It did really well. I was really pleased with it. It was like, you know, my best reviewed movie from critics. Yada yada yada. Like, it just, I was proud of it, and I was ready to move on to my next project. I had written, a, I had written a script specifically to be filmed in my hometown in New Jersey. Uh, I wrote it for a very specific bar, like I, like everything was very, very specific. And I had met a friend in New York through working as a cinematographer. We became friendly and I was like, hey, um, I have this thing. Uh, I would love to shoot it in Jersey. You know, you're a local, you know, people locally. Do you think you would want to produce this for me? She said yes. And we were going about the process of thinking about how we were going to do this. I had gone to New York in January of 2020, met up with her and a potential director of photography. And, um, you know, we were sort of in the very early, early planning stages of this. Then March rolled around of that year. And, you know, then I get a phone call. Chris, Broadway is shut down. Chris, subways are shut down. I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm like, what is going on? Then, you know, of course, I hear the news about what's happening. So then I get a phone call from her, this associate producer, and they both say, you know, I think it's best if we push this back until things sort of uh, regain and, you know, and we're not in a dangerous situation anymore. I'm like, yeah, agreed. Totally got it. No problem. Then the world shut down <laughs> and I was stuck like everyone else stuck for two weeks, nothing to do. So I was just trying to keep myself occupied. So few things happen. Uh, I started getting a fascination with shooting on film, both photography and cinematography. I acquired a Super 8 millimeter camera. I started shooting Super 8 movies, and just, not even movies, just like experimenting with Super 8 millimeter film, uh, just like trying different things, uh, even going back to even using VHS, just like experimenting for fun uh, and like trying things out. 
And then through that fascination, I uh, was just, I found uh, my parents' uh, home movies of, of myself, my sister as, as kids. And this is stuff I hadn't seen in like 20 years. So with nothing to do, I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to convert the stuff for the family. You know, just like something, we need something positive. So I'm like, oh, what the hell, why not? Start converting the stuff. And I'm watching the stuff convert on the computer. I'm looking at it. And I'm just like, okay, there's something weird's happening here. There's a story going on here. This is kind of strange. So then I just started looking at the footage and I started picking out moments I liked and like started like piecing stuff together. And I was like, I need more material. I can't just use, I can't just use my family stuff. So then I reached out to friends on Facebook and I was like, Hey, does anyone want to take part in a fun little virtual project? Uh, so then friends reached out, they're asking me, Oh, so what's this all about? I explain it. And essentially the idea was, could I, could I, could I make a movie using nothing but home movies? Like, could I tell a story successfully with just home movies and nothing else? You know, no actors, no script, no shooting, no nothing, just purely experimental editing. Could I tell a story? So then surprisingly, people got back to me. They sent me tapes. Uh, some people had film cans. I converted some film, uh, like Super 8 films. Uh, I found stuff online that was like stock footage of families from like the 40s and 50s. And I had, I had in total... Uh, I had 15 hours of material total that I watched from beginning to end of everything. And then I pared that down to two hours of selects. And then I took that two hours and I paired it into a 13 minute short film. And the way I did it was I took, you know, I took scenes that were very similar, like any Christmas mornings. I took every Christmas morning scene. I made like a little montage of Christmas mornings going on and cutting back and forth the kids getting excited about a toy in the 90s and then a kid getting excited about a toy in the 60s and etc etc uh family going on vacation you know I, I intercut between the two uh throughout the entire thing and the whole idea was not to merely do a collage but to it was almost the idea was to tell a story through that material and kind of show how through decades all of us are the same and we all have stories uh, and all of our lives are a story, you know, and like our eyes are sort of like our camera shot as it were. And that's essentially what these whole movies are. It's a documentation of life. And what's amazing is that these people that shot these movies, even though they were amateur, it was almost like that they were like filmmakers because they would get the wide shot. They would get the close up. It was almost like it was made to be edited. And I was like, wow, like, did anyone really think that this was going to be edited? Because there's like, there's like all these like different angles going on. I'm like, I'm like, wow, this is kind of cool. So then, so it kind of grew out of that uh, just by seeing, could I, could I tell a story with a beginning, middle and end using nothing but home movies. And in a lot of ways it worked. I mean, I look back at it now, I see where I could sort of trim stuff down, but then it, then I was like, you know what, I'm going to put this on the festival circuit and just see what happens. And it played pretty well with festivals and, for the most part, the, the people who I submitted to get critical reviews, I, I'd say I'd say almost all of them, you know, really got it. They loved it. And, you know, it was like a nice little positive thing, I guess, to come out in a in a world of turmoil at the time. Uh, so it was sort of a celebration of life while also being I like to think about it as sort of like uh, sort of like um, celebration of life, but also sort of being a little bit analytical about how 
even though times have changed, we're all the we're you know we're all the same. We're all the same people. Where we celebrate the well, most of us sort of celebrate the same things, and we sort of go forward in life the same way. And in a lot of ways, uh, in a lot of ways, you know, you could say life is like a movie in that way. You know, where uh, you capture this stuff, and it and it's retained in your in your um, retaining your brain a lot of the time. Um, so that's the, that's sort of my long-winded answer to that. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's, I, that's awesome. I think I, did you post some links where you showed like the footage and whatnot? That yeah, you had... no, well, the whole, the whole film is up online now. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I'll, I, uh, I would love to leave a link to that. And I don't know if I saw the finished product or whatnot. So no, I'll, send it, I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll leave it in the show notes and I'll, I'll check it out cool. myself. No, that yeah, was, cool. I thought I just like, I remember like kind of keeping tabs on it, like during everybody online. Cause we were all bored. Yeah. But like, I was like, huh, that actually sounds like probably it'll come out really nice. Yeah. Um, no, it, was, uh, it turned out to be a pretty, pretty nice piece. And you know, my, my composer friend put together a beautiful score. So yeah, I was, I was proud of it. Yeah. Cool, man. All right. That was probably a good way, good way to put it. Good way to finalize things here on today's episode. Um, this is the part of the show where I usually like to let my guest uh, plug anything they're working on. I know you just had a big thing that you were a part of pop mm-hmm. up on a major streaming platform, um, but you can mention that and anything else you yeah, might sure. have to yeah. say. I know how NDAs work. So if you tell me you can't talk about anything, oh, no, 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 I completely fine. get uh, it. But um, what I, 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 well, so, so what I, so what you're referring to is uh, my day job. So uh, <laughs> during uh for the last year, I've been working as an assistant editor, uh, working for a couple of couple of different companies. Uh, primarily, I work for uh, Six West Media, who produces content for A and E Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for A and E, I did a few shows that are have already aired. Um, have already aired, um, I think, previously. Um, like there's a show on there, like a lot of these flipping house shows. Like there was a house. There was a show called Flipping Down South. There was a show called. Uh, 50 50 flip uh those two i worked on uh they're they air they're now currently on on a and e uh but i recently got another gig working for Irwin entertainment uh doing again assistant editing on they do comedy specials both for hbo and for netflix the latest one i i guess i did well a few, few of them that i did recently were um i worked on david spade's new special called uh nothing personal um, and I also, yeah, <laughs> and I also worked on, um, Christina P, uh, who I was not familiar with until I got to work on the special, but yeah, that was also very good. Uh, so yeah, that's my day job. I work as, a, as an assistant editor on these, on these specials and it's really cool. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it's very different. I get to work from home, so, you know, it's nice, uh, you know, but, uh, but as far as my own personal projects, um, you know, I'm always writing, working, uh, you know, these days I'm working a lot as a cinematographer on a lot of like uh, local productions, uh, just trying to up my game in that respect. The ultimate goal really is to make a feature film uh, like anyone else. Uh, so, you know, it, surprisingly, in all the years I've been doing this, I have not directed a feature yet. I've directed a bunch of shorts, but not a feature. I worked on features. I DP'd a feature even, but uh, now I'm sort of at a point where I have a script, I'm sort of reworking it, reworking it. But uh, my goal for this year is to start doing some serious work on it, where I could, uh, 
you know, test things and try things out and hopefully get it made. I mean, that's the ultimate goal is to get that project made. Um, but in the meantime, you know, I still have short films I write that I would love to still make, including the one I that I wrote for Jersey. I still would love to make that. So again, very personal script. Uh, but yeah, I just, I just keep going at it. Just keep working. You know, that's, that's, that's my thing. Just, uh, the, 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 I, I think for every filmmaker, the goal is to just, uh, go to the next job. Yeah, <laughs> basically. I agree. So, yeah. So that's, that's where I am right now. Cool, man. Um, if anybody wanted to track you down on the internet, yes. where we find you? Uh, you can find me on, on my website, which is storiesmotion.com. Stories in Motion is my production company. Uh, I am also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Stories in Motion. Uh, so, yeah, there you can find the videos I make, uh, the films I make, and you can keep track of festival screenings whenever those happen. Uh, the latest film I did, uh, Undertaker, that's now in the festival circuit. Uh, the next screening is actually going to be local in Massachusetts uh, on the Cape for a, um, a festival that my friends put together called uh, Cruel Summer Film Festival. Uh, it's not like a, it's not a competitive film festival. We're just screening movies. It's just a bunch of my friends, uh, Chris Salvi, Gabrielle Rawson, uh, a lot of the most amazing talents locally put together this festival where they're going to be showing their movies and they've invited me to show Undertaker. So I'll be doing that. I've also shot uh, as a DP, the majority of the movies being shown that night that happens. So that event happens June 18th uh, at the Orpium theater in uh, Chatham, Massachusetts. Nice dude. Nice. Nice. Um, Well, this has been a pleasure, Chris. Thank you for coming on the basement. It's been a long time coming. I've had you in my pool of, guess i wanted on for a while i said that at the top of the show but whatever um <laughs> yeah man that's that that's cool man so um i will have links in the show notes for yeah. uh pretty much a lot of what you said here today mm-hmm. so yeah all right guys uh thank you all for listening uh you know the routine you leave a late rating oh my god i always screw out my screw up my outro leave a rating <laughs> leave a review for the podcast so we do not go into the abyss of everybody who has a podcast in the world uh see you guys next week take care